0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader, Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.pageslweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Before I start, I want to do something very different today. I'd like all of you to stand up, please. I'd like you to find someone you don't know and just shake their hand and say welcome to this community. Go on. Don't be shy. Find someone you don't know. Everyone, find someone you don't know. Haven't met before and say hello, welcome. Can somebody please tell me what I just tried to do? That's one reason. What's the second thing I tried to do? To make us understand that we're here not as strangers coming to pray together, but as people belonging to one family coming to pray together. And there is no point whatsoever if we come here as strangers and leave here as strangers, islands in this stream. There is no point to that whatsoever. And I'm going to talk a lot about that here tonight. I'm not going to preach tonight. I'm going to share with you things that God has put on my heart. With the intention that in this sharing, God might put certain things in your heart as well. Because God wants to make a difference, not only to your lives here tonight, but to the lives of all his children on this planet. Now most of you who know our ministry know that we completed 10 years last month. It was a tremendous occasion for us because it celebrated 10 years of making disciples for Christ. Those of you who know this ministry know how successful we've been reaching out to millions of people around the world, touching and changing tens of thousands of hearts. Now I should be happy, but I'm not because I'm all too aware that there are billions of people on this planet who still don't know who Jesus is. Now I want to reach each and every one of them and I believe I can with your help. The thing is, how do we do it? It's easy to say we want to reach billions of people. How do we do it? We can do it by going back to the beginning of the church and see what people back then did. Because the people back then, they changed the world the way we know it today. And the reason each and every one of us sitting over here knows Jesus is because of what these men started 2,000 years ago. So you ready for the word of God? Please stand. I'm reading to you from Acts chapter 2. Now the passage I'm about to read to you Follows 3,000 people coming to a knowledge of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, Peter went out and he gave one of the greatest sermons ever preached. And at the end of his sermon, 3,000 people accepted Jesus as their savior. Now what happened to these 3,000 people? That's what I'm about to read. These 3,000, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone in need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, my brothers and sisters, is the word of the Lord. Everything that we need to build the church today is contained in this passage. It consists of four pillars. Worship, study, fellowship, and outreach. These are the things the church has practiced for 2,000 years, which is the edifice on which the church stands. And these are the things this ministry has practiced for the last 10 years, and it is the edifice on which it stands. Now, a lot of what I'm going to say to you today is something that you already know. But sometimes it is good to go through the basics. Because unless our foundation is strong, this structure will not be. Worship. Pillar number one. What is worship? Worship is very simply put, expressing our love to God for who he is, what he says, and what he does. And of all the things we could possibly do, worship is the most important thing, Because in worship, we're telling God, I love you. Now, Many of you think that preaching is important. And yes, it is. But nothing, nothing is more important than worship. And if you come here and you have a deep, passionate time of worship, which basically means a deep, passionate expression of love for Jesus, believe me. Signs and wonders will follow you just as they followed the apostles of old. Because it is in worship that God is manifest. It is in worship that God is present in our midst. It is in worship that God reaches out and touches and changes and transforms lives while showering upon us the rest of the blessings. He just can't wait to shower upon his people in worship. I have my brother Joseph. He wanted to be here today, but he couldn't be. And we talk a lot. We talk a lot because we travel a lot, and Joseph likes to talk, as most of you who know him know. And he keeps asking questions, and he keeps telling me things. And one of the things he tells me is, I'm a very charismatic preacher. He says, you have charisma. That is why people come and listen to you. And I say, if that is true, then very good. I'm not going to say I don't like to be charismatic. I don't like to have charisma. But if the reason you come for one of these services is because of my charisma, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to receive God's blessings because you're not coming for him. You're coming for me. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. I want you to think of the day of Pentecost, which is when this story took place, soon after which is when this story took place. The apostles were praying together, worshipping God, telling him how much they loved him. They weren't there for Peter, they weren't there for John, they weren't there for Mary. They were there for God, and because they were there for God, they just kept crying out to God, passionately and deeply. And what did God do? He poured out his spirit in such tremendous force, all the apostles' lives were changed forever. And then what happened? People who had gathered around... For the Feast of Pentecost were drawn by the sound of worship, were drawn by the presence of God in the midst of that worship. And when they came, when they came, attracted to the worship and the presence of God, Peter went out there along with the other 11 apostles and he preached the deadliest sermon anyone has ever heard. And 3,000 people instantly gave their lives to God. I want to grow, not this ministry. I want to grow the kingdom of God. And you know how badly I want that. And I believe that there is no other way, no other way. Not the best preaching in the world. Not the best ministry in the world. The only way is through authentic worship that comes from our hearts. Deep down there. I want to tell you a little story about how this ministry started. Now, some of you might know this story already, but it's a fantastic story because it illustrates what I'm trying to say over here. Eleven years ago, I started a prayer meeting in my house, and we had five people gathered together. We used to pray, we used to worship for about half an hour, and then I used to preach the word for about 20 minutes. 5 reached 8, 8 reached 12, 12 rose to 22, 22 went to 40, 40 doubled to 80, all in the period of 6 months. Now the funny thing is, and you need to really pay attention to this because it's important. The funny thing is nobody could understand anything I said. Why? Because I used to speak with a very, very strong accent. You know, it used to be so strong most people couldn't make sense of what I was saying. I used to mumble, you know, I used to swallow half my words, and I used to speak so softly. Even if you were two feet away, you would find it difficult to listen to me. Yet the numbers grew. It wasn't because of the preaching, because nobody could understand me. In fact, two months after we started this meeting, somebody actually got me a mic. And you can imagine, this is a small house. They needed to listen to me through a mic, because they couldn't hear me speak otherwise. So why were the numbers growing? Week after week, week after week, the numbers just kept increasing and increasing. And the reason is because the worship was raw. The worship was naked. The worship was honest. Every single person who came there could feel the presence of God manifest in the worship. And that worship changed them. That worship drew them week after week. That worship multiplied the numbers just as it happened in the early church. And if you guys, if you guys really want to grow the church along with me, you have to understand, don't come for the preacher. Please don't. Come for the worship. And one day I'm telling you, all we're going to do from beginning to end is just worship God as we did a little while ago. And that is all you will need. That is all you will need to be blessed. That is all you will need to be empowered. That is all you will need to be healed. That is all you will need to be delivered. That is all you will need to be anointed by God. Worship from the heart. Pure love from you to God. And when you're doing that, what does God do to you? He returns your love in a measure that you cannot even begin to imagine. You think you have big hearts or you don't know the heart of God. When he says, I love you, it is enough to sweep over all of you over here, sending you crashing to the ground. Worship. Now, there are different styles of worship. You know, I go travel around the world and every country I go to has its own style. I go to Africa and it's different there. I go to Asia and it's different there. I go to Australia and it's different there. I go to America and it's different there. Now, it doesn't matter how you worship God as long as there's honesty of heart. And one of the things you may have noticed changing over here over the last two weeks is our quality of worship has changed. We're not preaching and praying in tongues anymore. We're not shouting and screaming anymore. And the reason is simply this. The reason is we want to welcome outsiders and we don't want to frighten anybody by the volume of our worship or by praying in tongues they cannot understand. Even Paul advised. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. He says, So your church is full and everybody is praying in tongues. Very good. But when the unbeliever comes in here, he thinks you're all mad. Truly. Examine scripture and you will see this. And it is true. I remember when I was a young boy, by this time I stopped believing in God, my mother decided to invite me to a charismatic meeting. You know, very reluctantly, I don't know what got into me that day, I said, okay, mom, I'll come with you. And everybody was praying in tongues. I got spooked out of my life. I'm telling you, I I got so scared, I couldn't wait to leave the place. And this is what happens to a lot of people who are not familiar with praying in tongues. They come here and say, what's going on? This is not to say that praying in tongues is not good. Paul constantly advises people to pray in tongues. But Paul is mindful of the unbeliever. Paul is mindful of the new Christian. Paul is mindful of the person who's just discovering Jesus, and so am I. And so this is going to be a place where everybody can come and everybody can enjoy worship just as you just enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the worship today? It's going to be like that, and it's beautiful, especially when it starts from the heart. And God will work the signs and wonders that you all want to see. Say amen. Amen. Now you come to the second thing that you need to do, which is to study. And why study? The apostles heard, not the apostles, the disciples heard the apostles' teaching. They were learning. What were they learning about? They were learning about the tremendous love of God. And last week I told you, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they received the word with great eagerness. And then they went home and examine the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. And when they were examining the scriptures, what happened? They discovered, they discovered this tremendous love that God had for them. To know God. Why do you want to know God? Because the more you know him, the more you love him. How many of you are here for the first time today? Can you just raise your hand? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Put your hands down. Yeah. (laughs) Today's meeting is actually for regular attendees, but if God has brought you here today, it is for a reason, and you will discover the reason before you're done. Now imagine, you know me, okay? The four people sitting right in front know me, and if I were to ask them if they love me, I know what they're going to say. Do you love me? Do you love me? Hey! (laughs) She loves me more than anybody else, that's why she's saying no. Do you love me, Megan? And do you love me, my brother? No, I need an answer. You do, of course, he says, okay. Now, these people love me because they know me, right? Now, I have a sister over there and a brother at the back there. If I ask them if they love me, they can't say yes with any degree of honesty. They can't because they don't know me. Now, assume that they have listened to me talk over here and are sufficiently impressed to stop by at the DVD counter on the way out, buy a few DVDs, and go home. And they watch these DVDs. And as they watch these DVDs, they go, ah, this guy's good. You know, so they're a little more impressed about me. Then they kind of find out a little bit about my background, realize I was an atheist for 25 years until I had a tremendous experience of God 11 years ago. And today I go around the world preaching. What happens now? They're getting even more impressed, but not just that. Now they want to meet me, to know me personally. And when they have an encounter with me, what do they discover? They discover that this man actually has a caring heart. He's, he's sweet and he's nice and he's handsome and <laughs> the rest of it. And if I were to ask them after they've done all this, do you love me? I am pretty sure that all of them will say yes. What's my point here? My point here is it is the same thing with God. All of us know God. You know, we've heard of him. We all know he does great things, but we all need to get to an experience of God. And how does that happen? I had a Lebanese couple who came to visit me three days ago, and they recently joined our Arabic community. We have an Arabic community too, by the way, for those who didn't know. And they said to me, Brother Anil, we have been very close to God for all these years. We've gone for Mass regularly, we say the Rosary regularly, we pray all the time. But only after joining your community do we discover how little we know God. But now every day, every day is a journey, every day is an adventure of discovering how wonderful this God is, how marvelous he is. And she says, thank you to you for helping me to come to a knowledge of God because now we cannot wait to go home and spend time with him, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Which means what? You worship God with your heart, you worship Him with your mind, you worship Him with your emotion, you worship Him with your intellect, you worship Him with all your being. And trust me, when you are there with God in His presence, forgetting about everything around you, and there's just you and Him, your life starts to change in a way that I just simply cannot describe. But you have to experience it for yourself. And the only way you can do that is if you love God so much, you're willing to do anything for him. Which brings me to the third point, the third pillar, fellowship. Do you like movies? You do? Okay. What kind of movies do you like? Who likes horror movies over here? Okay, a few hands went up. Good, good. Nothing wrong with that. Now, if you were to meet someone who liked horror movies, as opposed to comedy movies or these chick flicks, you know, Um, you know what those are, the kind of sob-sob movies that girls normally watch. Anyway, we won't go there. Um, Horror movies, the five of you kind of get together and discover, hey, he likes horror movies. Say, what movie did you watch last? I watched Carrie, but it was nothing like the first Carrie, you know. It was really good. And you go on talking about horror movies and you discover, wow, I'm happy with these people. Now forget about horror movies. Every one of us here has discovered Jesus, right? Now if you really have discovered Jesus, all you want to do is to talk to people about Jesus. All you want to do is to be with people who know Jesus. All you want to do is breathe Jesus in and out. And all you want to do is think, walk, everything you do revolves around Jesus. Now this is what the apostles did. For them, Jesus was a new thing. The disciples, the early disciples. So they would get together. They would get together every day. And they would worship God. And they would talk to each other. And they would break bread. And what a wonderful time they used to have. Now I need you to understand something. There were 3,000 people described in this story. And every day they used to break bread. Where? Where? One. In the synagogues, and the temples, just as we break bread every time we go to the Eucharist. But they used to gather together daily in houses. Which means what? That everyone used to get together in their houses and they used to pray and they used to talk. And they used to speak about Jesus. And listening to them speak about Jesus, other people used to come because something special used to take place in every single person's house. Today... Today, nobody does that. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Somebody says they want to come to your house, you'll say to them, okay, let's see if my calendar is free next week. When next week comes, you'll say, I'm sorry, but I have to cancel today because something happened. It's true, isn't it? I remember in the old days when I was a little boy, I used to believe in God at that time, and I used to go to church, and church used to be such a warm place. You know, we used to come out after the mass and everybody used to kind of greet each other. We used to hang around at the steps of the church for about half an hour. We used to go home and, on, you know, if it was a Sunday, then the priest used to come home, have some dosas with us. He used to smile. You know, you know what a smile is, right? We went to um, Trinidad and Brother Joseph and me walked into this convent. And we had five sisters come over there with big smiles on their faces. And Joseph, is this the right place? I've never seen a nun smiling. (laughs) Have you seen a nun smiling? I'm sure you have. I mean, they do. But if they do, you don't see them very often. And priests, they're so grouchy, you know. Like It'll be so nice to see a priest who smiles and says, come here, tell me what you want. You know, even if you're in a problem, the last person you want to go to is a priest because you know what I'm saying? We need to be warm. We need to be social. We need to be friendly people again. People used to come to our house within an appointment so many times a week. And my dad used to open the door always with this, you know, happy smile. And it could make out he was happy to have guests in the house, people he could talk to. Notice we don't do that. And we need to start doing that. We need to start really building Family again, which is why I made you do what I made you do when you came in here. We're so afraid of each other. We're so afraid to shake somebody's hand, someone we don't know. What are they going to do? Eat my hand up? Come on, yeah. Eat. (laughs) Do you love me? Yes, Yes, of course. He knows me. Do you love Jesus? Wait. Yes, of course. My brother here was a Hindu till last year. He discovered Jesus. What happened? He fell in love with him. What happened? He became a Christian. Then what happened? He got married to another girl. Do you love Jesus? Yes. She too used to be Hindu. What happened to her? She too one day discovered Jesus. She fell in love with him. And now what happens? They got married. They went to Punjab. He came for the wedding on a horse. No kidding. He's a Punjabi after all. And everybody around wanted to know what was happening to this man. Why he was getting married in the church. And they saw the people who came for the wedding. A whole lot of people went from Dubai there. Why? Because of the love they have for this couple. I couldn't because I was in the Caribbean. But had I been here, I would have gone there too. And maybe I'd have ridden with him on the horse. (laughs) Yeah, they might have thought I was the groom, but never mind, you know. (laughs) Right? And what happened? They saw the love. They saw the love that these two had. They saw the love that their friends had coming all the way from Dubai for the wedding and how many people were touched by Jesus that day. This is what happens when you kind of sit together as a warm family. Now a few months ago, someone wrote to me a letter and said to me, I shared this story with you last week, but I'm going to share it again. I was one of those people who came to your meetings when the number was just about 20, 25 And I was just overwhelmed by the love I used to experience in your house then. You know, and it was tremendous because after the press session was over, we used to kind of sit down and we used to talk sometimes for hours. You know, very often it used to be 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning before they'd finally go away because nobody wanted to leave. And he said, now I come and I'm happy your numbers have grown so much, you get 200, 300 people, but I don't find that warmth anymore. I feel as though I am just... An isolated individual in a group of so many people, and my heart broke when he said that because I realized how true it was. You know, we go to church, a place that should be a community, really community. Nobody says hello to anybody there. We get out of the church as though we finished duty accomplished and go straight to our separate lives. Nobody even stopping to say hello to anybody. Nobody's trying to make friends with anybody. What is this? Seriously, what is this? What is the point? What is the point? What is the point of going there? What's the point of coming here? Now we are going to do something to rectify things. I don't believe there's any problem without a solution and my solution is this from next week onwards I'm going to have seminars in my house every single week. They're going to be short seminars, maybe a day long, maybe just for a couple of hours. They're going to be restricted to 20 people. There are going to be seminars on a variety of subjects like parenting, like addiction, like marital relationships, whatever. You know, Come 20 at a time, get to know each other. But when you come back over here, you are going to make friends with everybody else around you. And I'm telling you, by the end of this year, by the end of this year, if every one of you does at least one seminar, this place is going to be totally different. And once this place is very different, what are you going to do? You're going to go to those churches up there. And the next time you ask to make the sign of peace, you're not going to do something like this. Does this sound familiar? You know, you don't even look at the guy. Make sign of peace, you know. Peace be with you, my brother. Stand up, everyone. Go on, make the sign of peace, a real sign of peace. Good. Come here, demonstrate. Come here, come here. Come here. Go on. Show everybody how you make the sign of peace. Now doesn't that feel good? Continue. I'm not continuing. Continue. All right. Okay, I'm happy. I'm happy. Sit down. Now tell me that didn't feel good. It was good? See your faces now. Yeah? Ten minutes back, you were looking like... But now, look at you. Everything is moving. Everything is flowing. See, even I've changed my style. I used to shout a lot before. I've stopped shouting. I don't know if you've noticed. Now, you know, smile and clown about because, why? Because God kind of Likes that. You know, have you noticed when we pray how we go to God? It's listening. Except it's like that maybe, you know. Lord, I need help. Poor guy. Poor guy. Honestly, I feel sorry for him sometimes. You got nothing to be happy about. I mean, come on. You know, go to God and let him know you're happy. And let other people also know you're happy. And when everyone around you is happy, what happens? People come. Because there is something special going on in your midst. Now I told you what I'm going to do. Now I'm telling you what you're going to do. If you can at all, invite a few people over next weekend. Invite people who might be total strangers. Just have dinner, you know. You don't need to make a lavish dinner. You don't need to have a 12-course meal. Just a little food that people can enjoy. Don't invite your friends. They're going to invite you back. Because Jesus says, what's the reward in that? You've already got your food. You gave them a meal. They give you a meal. Call us. Invite somebody who's not going to invite you back. Try doing this. Just once. See how happy you feel. Two months back the newspaper boy came to sell me a subscription to Gulf News and I told him why don't you stay for dinner. He couldn't believe, he couldn't believe his ears that somebody would actually invite him and he thought I was joking and I told him no. He said no I have to go. I said the next time you're in town, next time you're in the neighborhood, come. My house is always open to anybody and everybody. I don't even lock it, not even at night. Anyone who wants to come, come. You want to steal something, take it. You might need it more than I do. No, we guard our possessions as though we're going to die if we lose them. The apostles sold everything they had. Well, not everything they had. They sold a lot of what they had. Why did they do that? Because they understood a few basic things about life. And one of the things they understood is that they could be poor too. How many of you are Indians over here? No, don't raise your hands. Have you ever been to a Bombay slum? Seen a beggar boy in that slum picking out food from the garbage? You could have been that person. You could have been that person. And for the rest of your life, there's hardly a chance... You could have got out of that position. You, for some reason, were born into. So you live in that slum. You die in that slum. Now, if someone were to come and give you a chance out of that slum, wouldn't you be happy? We say we can't do anything because there are so many people who are poor. Oh, we are so blessed, aren't we? And I'm trying to tell you that you can do just a little bit to help them. Just a little bit. You don't have to starve. Promise. The apostles didn't starve. They didn't sell their houses and everything they had and give it to the poor. They didn't do that. They made sure they had comfortable lives. But the excess they had, the stuff they were never going to use, they shared that with everybody else. And this is what love means. And you know what? When you die, you're not going to take any of that stuff with you. Trust me. Some of us have two houses, three houses in India. You're not going to go back. Your children are definitely not going to go back. They'll go to America or Canada or Australia or someplace. But trust me, they're not going home. They're not telling you sell everything you have. Keep one house in case you do go back. But the rest of the stuff, what use is it? Jesus also says, what use is it to have all these things where moths will eat and rust will kill and destroy Whereas you need to accumulate treasure for yourself in heaven. This is what we need to do. This is what builds the church. Because people around us will see what we're doing and say, there goes a real Christian. Which brings me to something else that people have said about us. And they said, you only talk about love. You don't do anything. And that hurt me again because I realized once again there was an element of truth in it. But I will not let anyone be able to say anything like this about us twice. So what we have started to do is establish a heart of Jesus ministry. We launched it in Sharjah day before yesterday, where 10 people have volunteered their time to meet every single person's need. And we're launching the same ministry over here today with 10 more people. who are dedicating their lives. They have jobs. They go to work, they come back, but any free time they have, they are saying, we will give it for the people of God. Which means what? Which means if you need a job, if you need prayers, if your son is in jail, if you're dying of starvation, you don't have to worry about going to somebody, telling them your problem, and just have them say to you, I will pray for you. You know, it's very easy to pray. We are going to pray for you, but we're also going to come and make sure that there's nothing wrong with you. We're going to make sure that we visit you in hospital if you're in a sick bed. We're going to make sure we visit your children in jail if they're there. We will make sure that we find you a job if you haven't got one for a long time. And if you still aren't able to get a job, we will hire you. We'll not be able to... Frankly, I'm tired of spurious Christianity. I want to be in your face, Christianity. I want to be there and say... He don't challenge me to do anything. I got a heart of love. And I might not have a heart as big as God's, but man, check my heart out. And I want you to be able to say the same thing about yourselves. Check my heart out. It's not just giving hugs here. That's easy to do. You go back to your homes. No, we're going to stay with people. We're going to be with people. We're going to help people. We're going to love people. We're going to love them so much. They will die of being loved. But that's what we're going to do. I've been talking about packing this place for years. It wasn't going to happen, but it is going to happen now. It is going to happen now because I can sense God is doing a new thing in this ministry. Ten years, we're not resting on our laurels. For the next ten years, I'm telling you, we're going to be there for every single person who needs help. And when people see that we're helping out, they're going to come. They're going to come for the help. They're going to stay because of the worship. They're going to be touched by the power of God. And I'm telling you, after they're changed, everyone around them is going to be changed as well. They're going to find someone to get married to. They're going to go to Punjab, sit on a horse, go for the wedding. (laughs) By the way, lots of our people are getting married this year. You know? Um, We got almost eight marriages on the cards. Three have already got married. So... um, Awesome things are happening in this ministry. We're going to have a lot of little HSI babies uh, coming soon. Um, take your time. <laughs> and then you come to the fourth pillar, which is basically outreach. You really don't need to do anything except say to people, Come and see. Let them come here. The worship is enough to touch their hearts. Why? Once again, because the worship. Is an expression of our love to God. And when we tell God we love him with sincerity, he starts to show us that he loves us. And when that starts to happen, you will find people being touched. You don't need to say anything. They don't even need to listen to the preacher out here. Just the presence of God in their midst is enough to change lives. So, invite your friends. Make new friends. Your paper boy comes to sell you a subscription, invite him for dinner. He's become your friend and say, come for a meeting. There's dinner over there also. All of you don't stay for dinner. I need you to stay for dinner. And I don't just need you to eat. I need you to meet someone new every week. Because truly, if you want to change the church, if you want to feel like a family, you've got to start acting like you're part of a family. If you invite me to your house, will you not be sociable to me? If you invite me to your house, will you not introduce me to the other guests? If you invite me to your house, will you not make me feel comfortable? This is our house. And we're going to invite people for dinner, for bread. Bread here, bread there, bread in church. And when they receive that bread, (laughs) what's going to happen? They're going to change, but they need to see your hospitality. And you begin with one another. I've exceeded my time here, but before I finish... I need to read this to you one more time. You devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the preaching that you hear week after week, to the fellowship, to saying hello to one another when you meet them, to saying goodbye to one another when you're leaving them, to talk to them when you're having your meal, to the breaking of bread, Not just the bread we break here, but also the bread in the Eucharist. Understanding that whenever we go for Mass, we're breaking bread with over a billion Catholics around the world. What an amazing thing that is. To know that the Mass we go for is the same Mass being celebrated around the world by a similar set of worshippers. Now when we are receiving Jesus, I want us to tell him, Jesus, I don't come alone. I come with a whole lot of people along with me. And I'm offering all of them up to you that you touch their hearts as you touched my heart tonight. And to prayer, which is telling God at every opportunity we get, God, we love you. You know how many people tell me that they love me? You know, so many, so many. I wonder sometimes if they tell God with the same frequency that they love him. We need to do that. Because he's deserving of love, not me. You know, no matter how much I do for you, it is just a fraction of what God does for you every single day. And if you're grateful to me for the little things that I do, think of how much more gratitude you need to feel to him who has given you everything you have. So thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Everyone was filled with awe. At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, but it wasn't the apostles who performed them. It was God who worked in their midst when they gathered together to worship him. And miracles and signs will follow every single one of us when we come to worship God. With fervent cries to Jesus, asking him for help. But even forget about that. You just say to Jesus, I love you from the bottom of your heart. And when Jesus says, I love you, signs and wonders will flow. They have to flow. Because when you love somebody, don't you want to give them blessings? Don't you want to make them happy? Don't you want to give them gifts? Can you imagine the gifts that God will give people when he says to them, I love you too. Do you love God? He says, I love you too, Sanju. You're my sweet little boy. God does things like that. He's crying now. He's touched by God. All the believers were together, just like us. But they weren't together just in name. They weren't together just to listen to some charismatic preacher talk to them. They were together because they believed in Jesus, because they understood his love, and because they wanted to share this love with everybody they met. They wanted to go out into the street corners and tell people, do you know Jesus? He loves you. And these people came together, united by that love for Jesus and united by the knowledge that Jesus loved them too. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I have a TV set. You don't have a TV set? Come and watch TV in my house whenever you want. You like horror movies? We can watch Carrie together. They sold property and Possessions to give to anyone who had need. If I have a cupboard full of clothes and I see a man who doesn't have a shirt on his back, come on, guys. Come on. (laughs) You can give two clothes away. I'm not asking you to give your entire cupboard away, but two clothes to give someone who doesn't have any clothes And what happens when that person receives something from you? His face will light up, his heart will light up, his soul will light up. And he will say, "There truly is a God and I've seen him in you. Every day, every day, not once a week, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, in the churches. Every day they got together and they didn't just sit and stand when everybody stood. They felt a common brotherhood, a common togetherness, a common unity. And when they prayed to God and they said, Our Father who art in heaven, it wasn't just reciting words. It was believing that him who stands there as our Father is truly looking on his children as we pray together. Say it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Do this in church. Go on. We're going to change everything. I'm telling you, we're going to change everything. Yeah, we're going to change, we're going to change the world. We are going to change the world. I can see things happening around me every single day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can you imagine having chicken shakuti with your friends next weekend, you know? Pokumdalu Why am I saying these things? I've turned vegetarian. No, not a good idea. Let's talk of fried potatoes. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Worship, study, fellowship, outreach, and the numbers will be added. And imagine if just one person was added every day to this church. By the end of this year, how many people would I have? 365. Imagine if your houses, you add one person every day. 365 multiplied by 200. People say it cannot be done. Oh, not me. 7 billion people on this earth. We can get every single one of those 7 billion people. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org, and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.